Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode 173. All right. Michael Saylor, CEO of MicroStrategy, was in the news this week. He was on CNBC. And a few people said, what's going on here? Did he really borrow money to buy Bitcoin for his company? Uh, Yes. Yes, he did. Is it a crazy strategy? Uh, We'll answer that a little bit later. Did he really tell people to uh, sell their house and buy Bitcoin? I don't know. I've... I can't say I've really followed him directly. Uh, I can't say that I've seen that directly, but anecdotally, people have said that he's mentioned that, hey, you know, don't pay off your mortgage, especially if you have a low rate of interest. Instead, buy an asset that's going up. And did MicroStrategy really lose money in Q1 of 22 simply because they had to take a digital impairment charge, meaning Bitcoin went down. Yeah, but I'm going to get to that because there is a little nuance with digital assets, apparently, in how companies have to write down the asset. Uh, But if it goes up, I don't believe, and I'm not an expert in accounting, that they can take the gain on there. So People have been asking me about it. I said, you know what, I'll, I'll do a, an episode on this. And, and it's it's got a couple of things. It sort of takes into account, like, what, what are companies doing with their cash? Is he crazy for investing in a, a volatile asset like Bitcoin on the surface? I mean, look, it's really volatile. Um, so what's going on here? They released uh, in Q1, just to kind of set the stage, and I'll get into some of this. And as we're recording this, uh, I'm actually recording it on a Saturday. And I looked at uh, Bitcoin's price. It looks like it's now a little bit over 18,000. It's down like 11%. Now, these things trade on the weekends, trade or people are exchanging on the weekends. So I believe there are some volatile moves there. Uh, Full disclosure, I used to own a really tiny bit of Bitcoin. I don't anymore. I've got a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of uh, Ethereum. It doesn't mean you should buy it. It doesn't mean you shouldn't buy it. Um, we've done episodes I'll link to in the past, me and Jay Pestercelli, where I played the uh, crypto skeptic. And I've got, got a lot of thoughts on crypto. And But here, here's sort of what's going on here. They were in the news because they have a loan. And if Bitcoin's price goes below 21000 they'll have a margin call on that loan. So I'm going to kind of explain that. Q1, and I'll put a link to this in the show notes, uh, they released their investor presentation and Q1 22 financial results. They, they released that on May 3rd. And according to uh, MicroStrategy's investor uh, deck here, Q122, they owned 129,218 Bitcoins. And that's up originally Q3. And I don't know if they they bought any prior to Q3 of 20, but they had 38,250 and they've been adding, you know, along the way. Now it's up to 129,218. And it looks like according to their presentation here, their approximate cumulative average purchase price per Bitcoin is 30700 
Okay. So some quick math. If their average price is 30700 and they own 129,218 Bitcoin. And, you know, that was the end of the quarter. That's meaning April 30th, January, February, March. Uh, no, end of March. End of March. So I don't know what they've done since. And we won't know for sure until they release those, uh, those next batch of financials, which uh, in all likelihood, so they released May 3rd for Q1. So what does that put them? Sometime in August, maybe, end of July for Q2. But just doing the math there, looks like they have a loss of minus $1.6 billion on their Bitcoin holdings because Bitcoin went down. And so what does this all mean for the company? Well, one of the things they, they have to do is, uh, and the way this works from, uh, and again, I'm, I'm not an expert on this. If, if you know more than me, please you know, send me an email, uh, of course, Derek.Moore at zegafinancial.com. That's D-E-R-E-K dot M-O-O-R-E at Zega, that's Z as in zebra, E as in Eddie, G as in George, A as in Apple. Financials up to you to spell correctly, dot com. Uh, but in Q2, they, uh, their Q2, Q1, sorry, Q1 2022 non-GAAP operating loss was $155.6 million. And they would have had an operating profit had they not had to mark down some losses in Bitcoin. And their digital asset impairment charges were minus 170 million, 170.1 million. Now, the nuance here, and I was reading this in a, in a Fortune article that I will, of course, paste to the uh, show notes, is that apparently the way GAP works, and GAP is a generally accepted accounting principles, there's an international version of GAP. And apparently they are looking at this. Because right now, a company, let's say if they mark down their assets, or they mark down a digital asset, in this case it's Bitcoin, if it goes back up, um, you know, that digital impairment goes on their, their expense sort of lines, their expense section on their income statement. But if it goes up, I don't believe they're allowed right now to put, uh, you know, as a... Uh, um, you know, a positive on, on their income statement. So maybe more to come on there. But regardless, according to what the financials are and what the company is giving. So, yeah, they own they own a lot of Bitcoin. And the company is, has used cash, uh, but they've also issued shares. And this is from their annual report ending uh, December 2021. And... One of the things they have in their report, it's in the notes here under the, uh, I'll try and put a link to this. They have a, a separate section, uh, Bitcoin acquisition strategy. In September 2020, board of directors adopted a treasury reserve policy. And what they did was cash and cash equivalents and short-term investments held by us that exceed working capital requirements and Bitcoin held by us, this is the company saying this, with Bitcoin serving as a primary treasury reserve asset on an ongoing basis subject to market conditions and the needs of business for cash assets. And so basically, they're buying Bitcoin. A lot of companies hold maybe short-term notes, short-term bills. They might own money markets. They might own some other things. 
Bitcoin's really volatile. So it's a little bit head scratching why a company would do this. Uh, I know he has been very outspoken on his belief that Bitcoin is going up, that the US dollar is being devalued, and he's very bullish on Bitcoin. But here's some of the things they've done. And in, in their 2021 end of uh, year annual report, they said, during 2020 and 2021, we issued the following debt and equity securities to raise capital to purchase Bitcoin. What did they do? Uh, 650 million aggregate principal amount of 0.75%. So that's a coupon, convertible senior notes due in 25. Convertible senior notes, uh, normally they have some conversion ratio. Uh, they can, uh, somebody could take per thousand par value on a, on one of these convertible notes. The convertible notes similar to a, a bond. These are senior, senior notes. And they use that to buy Bitcoin. Then they did a little over a billion aggregate principal amount of 0%, so no coupon, convertible senior notes due 27. And so let's see. Maybe they got a couple different uh, convert dates. Uh, but anyway, so they used, used that to buy Bitcoin. And then they issued uh, senior secured notes with a coupon of 6.125%. And they used that to buy Bitcoin. But they also issued a little over 1.4 million shares of common stock during 2021. They brought in a billion dollars to that. And so, yeah, they've been issuing debt, both convertible and, and those. Uh, they've been issuing shares. And anytime you issue shares, you dilute the existing shareholders, meaning, hey, we had a million dollars. We had a million dollars in net income. Great. I own a share. I got a dollar of income. Well, if they issue more shares, then there's more shareholders. So you got to divide the, uh, the net income by more shares there. So the existing shareholders, quote unquote, get diluted. So that's sort of what they've been doing. And you can kind of see, I'm not going to read off the whole thing here. Yeah, I'll, you can, you can kind of link to that as well. The thing that happened, though, and what's been in the news and people are sort of talking about is this margin call. So what's that about? Well, they issued uh, part of their debt, and it's got a maturity of March of 2025. Uh, it's $205 million. And Michael Saylor, the CEO of MicroStrategy, was on CNBC. David Faber was talking to him. I think a couple other people were on the panel. And he described a levered Bitcoin cash strategy for the company. And what that, I believe he was referring to is the fact that they've issued a Bitcoin-backed loan, $205 million, uh, about an annual interest rate of approximately 4%. And their interest rate is actually, uh, it's 3.7% it's plus the 30-day average of the SOFR, Secured Overnight Funding Rate. Remember, SOFR is... Uh, the replacement for LIBOR. Uh, give you an idea, uh, just look, the current 30-day rate as of Friday was just under 80 basis points. So if you take 3.7 plus the, 80, the 0.80, you get 
about 4.5% right now is the loan. And it was done at a loan to value of 25%. Like, what does that mean? Okay, let's say you borrowed a million dollars. Let's make it easy. And, or actually, no, you borrowed 250000 but the collateral was a million. Think about if you took a home loan and you put up 750000 you borrowed 250000 and the loan's worth a million. Okay, that's a 25% loan to value. What happens is, and this is also in an article, I believe this was either Forbes or, uh, let me take a look here. It's either Forbes or Fortune. Let me grab it here. Right, got it. So this is a, a Fortune article. And I'll link to this in the show notes as well. They have a section here that's called the Mar- Margin Call from Hell. And in it, MicroStrategy's CFO, this is Fortune saying this, they said MicroStrategy's uh, CFO, uh, Fang Li, explained in the company's first quarter earnings call on May 3rd, if Bitcoin's price falls below 21000 or around 50% from current levels, so it would, I guess this was 42000 when uh, maybe they issued it when Bitcoin was at. Again, I, I just saw it. Today, it's a little over 18000 Week Weekends are... I don't know how much liquidity is there and how much that moves around, but um, it will be forced to pony up more cryptocurrency to back its $205 million Bitcoin collateralized loan with Silvergate Bank. So that's the the bank that was used to buy uh, its Bitcoin and who issued the loan. So, yeah, so that's that's the thing. And I guess if... And they took out the collateralized loan on Bitcoin to buy more Bitcoin. So basically what happens is if it falls below there, then they've got to put up more of their, uh, their Bitcoin. I guess they could close out the loan, a couple other things. But um, you know, if the price ends here, according to what the statement from the CFO made on, March, on May 3rd, they would have a, a call on that loan to bring their loan to value. Uh, back down below 50%, uh, I imagine. Now, I also mentioned that according to their uh, their first quarter report, they reported having, uh, you know, at least on, on here, uh, according to the, the company, uh, they said the, the market value of the company's Bitcoin holdings as of March 31st, 22 was $5.9 billion, And that was on 129218 so if you do the math there and you say, well, what was it trading on back then? You'd say at the end of the quarter, it looks like it was, you know, somewhere around 45000 or so. So it looks like the company, and by the way, I'll just mention, I, I don't follow the company. I, I actually don't even know what their price is. Uh, I, I remember, uh, you know, I, I, what I mean is I don't know the price that closed at this week. I haven't been watching it. Uh, I know it's down from where it once was. And so, yeah, it, it looks like they've, uh, they've taken a loss, if my math is correct, of about $1.6 billion. So there's some accounting stuff in there. I mentioned that. Is this crazy? Um, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's a little bit crazy. And I could be wrong. I could be right. But essentially, I mean... You know, Bitcoin is sort of, uh, 
in in my opinion only, it's a, it's a store of value. By store of value, you're holding something that you hope will go up and you hope you can sell it to somebody else for more than you bought it. And you know, even transactions that are going on in Bitcoin right now, it's like if you bought something with Bitcoin, wouldn't the company just convert it to US dollars automatically? Anyway, I don't, I don't want to go down that road because I know we have a lot of Bitcoin enthusiasts in the audience. And uh, I mean, great. Send me, send me emails if you want. And I continue to be concerned that people are, I mean, God, if you borrowed money to, to buy Bitcoin and you have any sort of uh, non-diversified holding of, of this or any crypto asset, given the volatility, I do worry for people. Uh, and I do think there will be some people who bought a ton of this stuff and if it didn't go in the direction they wanted and I think you know judging from it went from 45,000 to at least today under 20,000 you know people are going to have some losses in this but the other question I would ask is if you're using cash and you're putting into a a non-cash asset and one that is really volatile I do think it's a little crazy I'll just be honest with you I mean, why not buy Apple or Microsoft stock with your treasury cash in a corporation? I mean, you have to ask the question. So why not buy GameStop? I I don't know what the volatility of GameStop, I mean, it's pretty volatile. And by the way, if you bought Apple stock, and this is just, I mean, we've written a, a white paper on how we hedge concentrated, low cost basis, individual stock for for clients and, and also, you know, uh, institutions or advisors who have clients and they come to us and we run the strategy. And one of the things you find out is the market has a certain volatility, but on a single name, whether it's Apple, whether it's something else, and some more volatile than others, it's not uncommon for single stocks to have a, an intra-year volatility of 40%. Or 50%. I mean, Apple's had drawdowns like that before. Uh, Netflix is down 80% off its highs. So anytime you're holding something that's very singular and very concentrated, you run the risk of volatility really coming in and being a problem. And volatility is great when you hold something that's going up by a lot and you have outsized moves to the upside. Uh, But... On the same side, if you know volatility is is coming down, or as far if volatility is causing you to your asset to to lose fifty percent, that's somewhat problematic. And I think I mentioned this, but I, I just want to be sure and, and cover this point again. It looks like from what I'm seeing, that loan was about two hundred five million. So you know, even if they lost one point six billion from what they had at the end of uh, the quarter. I mean, that's still something like $4 billion worth of Bitcoin. So $205 billion, even if they have to pony up extra Bitcoin or they have to buy more Bitcoin and, and pony it up for them, you know, any of that type of stuff. Um, I think the media, how should I say this? I want to be careful how I say this. I, I do think it's, it's a little odd, that this is the strategy of the company just because of the volatility of an asset, putting cash, treasury cash into an asset like this. Uh, But also 
it's you know, 205 million compared to, uh, let's say, you know, 4 billion or 3 billion or something like that. It's, it's, it's not equal. Okay. I'll just leave it there. So as far as, uh, reports of the CEO went on TV or went on, you know, different interviews and said, you should sell your house and buy Bitcoin, or you should not pay off your mortgage or take a loan on your house and, and buy Bitcoin and said, I mean, look, I hope nobody did that. Because anytime, and it doesn't matter if it's Bitcoin, if you're, if you're doing something that just going into a concentrated, concentrated, volatile position, I mean, you just don't know what's going to happen there. So now some of you might be saying, wait a second. Didn't Elon Musk and Tesla buy a bunch of Bitcoin? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was reported, I think, at the uh, March 31st. It was holding around, I don't know, 43,000 Bitcoin. Um, and I think they acquired about 1.5 billion in, in Bitcoin tokens at some point. Yeah, I got to be honest, I haven't looked at them as much as I've looked at uh, MicroStrategy just because they've been in the news and they're really leaning into it. And you would say, okay, if they have 43,000 Bitcoins and Bitcoin is uh, you know, trading at what we just say it was right over 18,000, that's roughly 775 million. So yeah, looks like you know, I don't. I haven't looked at their financials as much, but it looks like they're down as well. Now, uh, Tesla, I believe. I mean, Tesla is a much bigger company than uh, MicroStrategy, and I don't think. I don't know that they are, uh, you know, doing a levered play. I, I shouldn't say that though, because they. Uh, um, I, I just haven't followed them, um, but anyway, this is something to watch. And I know there's been a few companies, nobody's done it. I don't, I don't think like Michael Saylor has at MicroStrategy, their CEO. But yeah, companies are looking at this. And I would just say it's, it, it's you know, I, I don't know what to tell you on this stuff. Uh, to me, I, I, again, I go back to why not just buy Apple? I'm not saying Apple would be better, by the way. I'm just trying to explain, like, if you buy something that's very volatile, why not just buy stocks? Why not just buy something else? And anyway, I'll, I'll kind of leave it there for now. My thoughts about some of these digital assets is we saw tons and tons and tons of these new coins being issued and they're all supposed to do something else. And I've said before, this reminds me of late 80s, early 90s when we had the baseball card bubble. And baseball cards, you know, you had Topps was the one company. And then you had Donruss and Fleer come out with baseball cards. And I remember these, you know, rookie cards. I'll never forget it. Like Al Leiter was a rookie. He pitched for the Yankees. He pitched for the Mets. I think he pitched for the Mets. He wanted to be a broadcaster for the Yankees. And his rookie card, before he even threw a pitch in, in the majors, was like bid up. And I say bid up, I mean, it was really expensive. And Beckett's monthly uh, price guide used to come out. 
and they would have the prices of all these. In the end, you're hoping to, to acquire, let's say, a baseball card or an asset, and you're hoping to be able to sell it at some later date higher than you bought it to somebody else. And what happened in the baseball card world is a lot of new entrants, a lot of new companies came in and started doing baseball cards. And I think there was a documentary. One of the companies was sort of printing extra cards of players who were worth a lot. And that actually diluted the, uh, the market even more. And like I kind of explained, when you issue shares and uh, existing shareholders get diluted. So it just, it reminds me a little bit, there's some parallels between just the amount of baseball cards that got issued, how the prices went up, how the thought was that these only go up forever and new entrants came in. And I don't even know how many digital coins there are right now. Uh, people try and explain to me what each one can do and why they're different. I don't know. All right, folks, we'll leave it there. Send me emails, good or bad. Let me know what you think. Uh, always love getting the emails. And by the way, I mean, this was an idea from a listener to talk about this. It was just in the news last week. So hopefully this is helpful. And if nothing else, in your next conversation, you're a little bit smarter in explaining it. I'll put the links to all the, uh, the things I discussed in the show notes, and we'll talk to you next week. See ya.